Joanne, are you with us? I sure am. Yeah, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I, I, I first maybe I first wanted to ask you just a little bit about Planned Parenthood, the organization. Um, I'm curious, how long has Planned Parenthood been in Central Oregon? Do you know? Yeah, so um, we started off with an education program here in the mid-90s, and then our health center opened in uh, late in 1998, um, and then we have operated at the same location ever since then. And how has it been, how, how have you guys been received in Central Oregon? Has it been a pretty positive, um, you know, thing? Yeah, I would say it's definitely mixed. Um, you know, certainly our patients um, are very appreciative to have us here. Um, and we do have a, a really good group of supporters in this area. Um, and then we have, you know, a certain a certain group of detractors who, uh, you know, would prefer we weren't here, but we don't let them tell us what to do. <laughs> we're uh, gonna we're gonna be here for our patients. Yeah, I, I notice anytime I drive by, there's you know maybe two or three people out with signs uh, fairly often. So, and you know, yeah. I've lived here for gosh uh, since the early 2000s, and I feel like that's been more recent in the past like five or so years that that's been happening. And at least I didn't notice that beforehand. Um, is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, I mean, we've always had kind of a small group um, that have, have come on a somewhat regular basis, um, and definitely the protest activity, I would say, has increased in the last five or so years, and we're, we're, we're seeing more people coming out and uh, coming out more often. Yeah. Could you maybe give us a, a little background on what, what is Planned Parenthood? What do you guys do there? Yeah. Well, I mean, most of what we do is contraception and STI uh, testing. Um, that makes up the bulk of our days. Um, you know, preventative visits, pap smears, breast checks, um, you know, checking symptoms, kind of, kind of a large realm of the reproductive health care. Um, and then, a, you know, a small percentage of what we do is abortion care. Um, we are the only clinic that offers abortions uh, this entire half of the state. So we are oh, wow. a very important resource for a lot of people. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to share. I have a special place in my heart for Planned Parenthood because when I started to have an intimate partner as a teen, I went to my parents and said, hey, this is happening. And they took me to Planned Parenthood. And I'll tell you what, in that first one or two um, um, appointments that I had, I learned more <laughs> in those moments than I ever did, uh, you know, from anyone else in my life, other adults or teachers or whatever. And I feel like it was a really important um, appointments that I had that, that, that really helped me along as I was making um, choices from that point. So um, I really, I've always really appreciated uh, the organization myself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not an uncommon story. I mean, we, a lot of times we are um, young folks first kind of introduction to reproductive health care and being able to set the standard for what they can expect from healthcare for the rest of their life is really important to us. Yeah, it, it seems like it's really important for all of us. Um, so let's let's get to why I have you on today. I, w I wanted to let's let's talk about Roe versus Wade, and um, I'm just um, I would love to maybe just dive in and um, ask you 
um, about Roe versus Wade. And, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go with the assumption that a lot of, that someone listening might not really know what Roe versus Wade is. So could you, could you give us a little background of what is, what is it? Yeah, I can give a, a brief synopsis. Um, yes. Yeah, so it's the 1973 Supreme Court decision that um, guaranteed that everybody should, um, all 50 states had to allow, let me rephrase that, all 50 states had to, weren't allowed to restrict abortion access um, up to the point of viability. And then, you know, there's been many cases after that that kind of like tweak that and adjust that. But that's, that's, the, that's the basis of the ruling. Yeah. And so what the ruling is saying is that the courts are looking at possibly overturning that. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So the leak was, was, yeah, the draft opinion was that um, basically them wanting to, to overturn Roe versus Wade and return the decision of whether abortion is legal to each individual state. And I, and I've been listening and hearing how certain states are saying that if it gets overturned, they're going to make abortions illegal and not only illegal, um, they're going to charge a, a woman with manslaughter, um, yeah. if they decide to, to go ahead with one. Um, I'm curious. Well, first of all, that's crazy because, uh, why is it we're always blaming the woman um, when a, when a decision like that's made, it feels like when two people are coming together to make a choice to do something that they're both responsible for what happens and then taking responsibility for the outcome of their choices. Um, I'm, I'm curious if you have an opinion about that, about how the man sort of gets pushed to the side and, and has no responsibility at all. Yeah. Well, and I don't, um, I mean, it's hard for me to dig too much into that. I'll say, I mean, right. Anytime that we're criminalizing abortion, that we are, um, I mean, obviously I'm against, you know, obviously I think abortion should be, uh, it's a fundamental right. Everyone should have access to it. Um, and anytime that we're, we're talking about then imposing penalties on top of making it unaccessible or inaccessible is it's just, it's downright scary. It's, I, there's no other way to put it. It's, it's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we know from history looking about past choices before Roe versus Wade started that a lot of women were still getting abortions and, um, but in a more risky, unsafe, unhealthy environments, which actually put them at more risk, um, than ever before. And so that seems like a, a, I'm curious if that will sort of come back and start happening more. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think there's any question that people are, you know, desperate people will do desperate things. And, um, you know, with, with access to, you know, internet now, I mean, my hope is that people in those desperate situations are able to find um, folks that can help them, you know, the abortion travel funds and stuff like that, uh, a way for them to get to a safe place to do it. But we also know the reality that some people will, will continue to do desperate things. And, and that's, yeah, it's scary. It's scary to think about what, what that'll mean for our future. Yeah. Um, what will this mean for Oregon if this passes? Yeah, so um, we are extremely lucky in Oregon. Um, you, you know, the right to abortion is protected. And um, there is, you know, no talk um, about any restrictions going into place. Our, um, 
yeah, very, very lucky. Um, we, you know, we know that Idaho is going to outlaw, outlaw abortion. So um, that is, you know, we're going to, we're going to be seeing a lot of folks from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, do you see people from out of town already or is it pretty rare to treat out of towners? Yeah. I mean, we always have seen people, you know, certainly people from other parts of the state and, you know, certainly people from Idaho. We've, I mean, that's always happened to some degree. Um, but we have seen a dramatic increase in our inpatients coming from out of state just over the last couple of weeks. Oh, wow. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, what was that? Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, um, so Idaho did put in a um, six-week ban already that was very similar to the Texas law that has happened. And so people are already, like, you know, not able to access resources in a timely manner there. And so that's some of why we're already seeing the increase. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that was happening. Um, <clears throat> and so Roe versus Wade, if it gets overturned, Oregon will be protected. Um, there is a chance that our, some of our surrounding states, like you said, we know of for sure Idaho will change. Um, mm-hmm. And that you guys are already working with, you know, a whole half of the states <laughs> and then also people from out of town. So how will you guys be able to reach that demand um, with this increase? I mean, you're already starting to see it. Are you expecting a, a much bigger increase? Yeah. So, um, you know, we know the the Guttmacher Institute, they had... Um, you know, they've been doing research on this sort of stuff for years. And what they anticipate is that our Oregon health centers, so not just Bend, but our, our health centers in other parts of the state, that we're expecting to see a 234% increase in um, patients seeking abortion services at our health centers. Um, so we, and we already had a sense that that was coming. So we've been already working on like increasing our staffing um, and just kind of working on, on um taking care of the staff we have here um, to get us ready to care for as many patients as we possibly can. Um, and that, that's that been our main focus to, yeah, to, to, try to, to try to meet the demand that we anticipate coming. The other thing is we are expanding our telehealth services. We've been working on that for a while now. Um, and so there's things like if you're in the state of Oregon or Washington, we can um, do a medication abortion via telehealth. If you meet a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of requirements you have to meet to be able to do that. Um, and then we can mail the medications within Oregon or Washington. Oh, wow. And so they can self-administer the, uh, the medication, but do, do they have to be in care with a practitioner in order to do that? Or they can just do it alone by their, by their self at home? Yeah. So, I mean, already with medication abortion, uh, the vast majority of the, of the of what happens is happens at home. It's one of the main dry, drop, you know, draws that people have to that process is that it's much more private. They're doing it at home. Um, so it's really just the addition of a, uh, you know, they take the first medication at home as opposed to normally they would take that in the clinic. Um, and there, uh, obviously we have, you know, we have nurses on call 24 hours a day. They can always get a hold of us if anything's concerning. And it's, it's a very safe process. I mean, we've been doing medication abortion using these medications for 20 years now. And we, we have really good research that um, people are really self-aware of what's going on with their body and knowing when to reach out and when it's concerning. Um, and vast majority of the time, there's, there's no issues. People have, you know, it's a very low rate of complication with that process. Mm, mm, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I had no clue that that was an option. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Do you, um, I'm, I'm curious if you could share a little bit of your opinion about, uh, you know, this is, this is maybe you, Joanna speaking and not necessarily Joanna, the health, the health manager, um, but about um, women's rights and the importance of a, of a woman to have rights over her own um, body and her own choices of what happens to her body. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can certainly speak for myself on that one. Uh, the way I view it is when, we, when we're looking at equality um, among genders, and obviously it's not just women that have abortions, non-binary people do, trans, trans men have abortions, like... But when we look at any sort of gender identity, the, the ability to decide if and when to have children or whether to expand your family is fundamental to equality when it comes to gender. If, if a woman or another person is um, forced into a pregnancy and into parenting, it makes it so much harder to, you know, move, move forward with whatever it's going to be to make your life um, truly like equal to, to, to other people. Um, I come from generational poverty and um, I come also from a long line of women having children as teenagers. And um, I think the two are linked, honestly, and uh, that at least in my family line, the, um, the lack of, most of them, first of all, never finished high school. I think I was the second one to get a high school degree and the only one that went to college and graduated. And um, all, even my sister and my cousins, they all had children as teens. And what I noticed is um, that, that having children as a teen is sort of for them solidified the cycle of generational poverty because, you know, unfortunately they were with other partners that weren't willing to support them at all. And so they were single moms um, with no money from, or no help, like, you know, maybe a little bit of help from the family, but not really. Um, And definitely no financial help. And so they immediately went on welfare and, you know, I have a sister who's in her forties and has not ever been able to support herself. And she's had five children. And, you know, that's the case with like all of the women in my family for generations, they've been living off of welfare. They've been so poor. And so for me, it's, it was always clear that the, the, the choice to become a parent or to not have an abortion and not have the support that they needed, um, you know, it, it was linked to this cycle of dysfunction because with also the generational poverty, there's a whole lot of addiction and, and addictions and um, uh, other things that come into it, into play. And so when I was listening to you share, Joanna, about, um, you know, a, a woman's right to choose, I think that's, a, that's another, that's another piece that we're not necessarily um, uh, talking about or even sharing with other young women. Like, hey, <laughs> the choices you make that have this really long-term impact for the rest of your life, possibly. And um, 
Yeah, I personally am a, a little disappointed with our educational system and what we're what we're not saying um, in the educational environment to prepare children for these big choices that that we're making. And so that was a big share. But I'm curious if anything came up for you or any thoughts that you had with that share, Joanna. Yeah, I mean, I think um, definitely the the intergenerational poverty is a, is a huge piece that we see. Um, and, you know, we will always support, like, it doesn't matter what a person's resources are. If they are ready to parent, we will absolutely help them find the right resources to, to you know, have their healthy pregnancy, to be able to parent the way they want to, or connect them with adoption counselors if that's something that they're interested in. Um, but I think having, being able to have real honest conversations um, with people of you know, making sure that people in all situations know that they have all their choices available to them and, um, is so huge because, you know, each individual situation is going to be different, and, but it is very possible that if someone's, you know, whatever their situation is, if maybe they're just, they just haven't considered, like, I don't have to continue the pregnancy. And maybe that is, you know, what we see a lot of times from patients, like vast majority of time is like this huge sense of relief when it's over. Like, okay, I, I, this is a reset for me. I can move forward. Like that is by, by and large, the most common, um, you know, feeling that people have after an abortion. And so I think, you know, for some of these folks, like if they do end up with an unintended pregnancy, um, being able to look at like, okay, I, here are my choices. Like I know if I choose the parent, you know, this is what I'm looking at. It's going to be much more difficult for me to move ahead in whatever, whatever indicator they're looking at, you know, financially or schooling or whatever it is. Um, or I can look at, I have this option to not continue the pregnancy and obviously they also have the option to place for adoption, but, and then, you know, looking at like, okay, that means that I can keep moving forward with my goals without having to um, focus on another, um, on this child that I'm bringing into the world. And I think it's, I think it's probably the most important piece is just making sure that people are aware that they have those options available and then, you know, helping them figure out what, what works best for them at that particular time. Mm. Yeah. So you guys, it sounds like you do that counseling piece of like sitting down with clients and, mm -hmm. and looking at all the options and helping them, you know, find the option that they most, you know, resonate with that, that would be best for them. Um, something that's really impressed me with this town that I haven't seen in other towns, and I'm, I'm sure exists in many towns, but, you know, I lived for some of my life in San Diego and Las Vegas and New York and sort of these bigger places um, that for some reason didn't have these resources, but, you know, like the local high school has a teen parent program where the kids can go to school with their children and there's care at the school for the, the teen parents. And so they can get a high school education. Like, oh my gosh, why, why doesn't every town have this? Because teens are having kids, right? And yeah. then, you know, there's also Grandma's House, which is a beautiful organization that houses these, these teen parents. And, and gives them a home and helps them with this transition as, as parenting. And so um, do you guys work with some of the other organizations in town, like directly work with them? Um, not directly. I will say, you know, we, we really try really hard to be experts in what we're experts in. And so, um, you know, certainly birth control we're amazing at and, you know, abortions, STD testing and treatment, things like that. 
Um, and then if somebody's choosing to continue, typically what we're going to do is, um, you know, if they're, we have like connections to further like options counselors, if they need something, you know, counseling beyond what we're kind of equipped to handle, like if they have really in-depth conversations they want to have about that. And then, um, you know, we have we have a good working relationship with uh, open adoption. If somebody's considering adoption, we can get uh, usually we can get an adoption counselor like on site here to talk to a, a patient if needed. And then the other thing is, um, uh, oh, I'm, I'm missing the, the current name of the program. It used to be called Oregon Mothers Care, but it's um, we have really good contacts for the Tri County area um, to really connect people, and they are an amazing resource to help folks. Um, you know, certainly they can help with OHP and with WIC and with if they need help with housing. And they are a one-stop shop for if you're pregnant and you need a way to um, have a healthy and safe pregnancy, they will help, They will find, they know all the avenues. So I would say rather than us working directly with a lot of those resources, we um, work directly with, with um, Oregon Mothers Care to connect people with the resources in the community that, that they need. So the Oregon Mothers Care, I haven't heard of this one. Is this um, a statewide organization? It is. Um, uh, I don't want to overstep. Uh, it's, it is statewide, but then they have like um, each county, I'm, I'm pretty sure each county um, has like a either a person or a group of people, like Deschutes County has like a group of people that um, work directly with clients to get them connected with all the resources that they need. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That's a great yeah. one. Um, yeah. Like, what was it? 10, 15 years ago, I worked for the, worked within the local teen parent program at Bentai for a while. And, and I, I loved it. And, and it was really great to see all of the different organizations that worked directly with the teens and us to mm-hmm. support the teens. And it, it just felt like, you know, no matter what choice you're going to make, <laughs> It felt like we we are so fortunate to live in this town because there's so much support and acceptance mm-hmm. around our choices. And, you know, there are so many people ready to support these young parents or these young teens, no matter, you know, what they choose. And so um, I've been really impressed with with this town just in general. Um I, yeah. I'm really. Uh, yeah. I, so anyways, I just really want to. um Thank you for all the the work you're doing and and um, you know taking your time to to share um, you know your resources and and what you guys are doing at Planned Parenthood. Um, I'm I'm curious if we could spend um, maybe the last of our time together uh, with you just sharing a little bit of of local resources that you you could share with us or 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 things that you guys are doing at Planned Parenthood that you'd like, you know, um, the community to know about? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, I was just, I want to make sure that people are aware that, you know, we're here, we're here in Bend, we're on Division Street. We are happy to um, help folks kind of with whatever they need in, in the reproductive health realm. And we are not going anywhere. Our doors are staying open. Um, we will continue to fight for reproductive freedom, like, for the whole country, but definitely continue to fight for it here in Oregon. Yeah, so I think, you know, we're, we're looking at, like, what these, you know, the overturning of Roe v. Wade and stuff like that, we're looking at what kind of what that's happening across, you know, how, who that's affecting across the country. And, um, you know, just I, I will continue to tell people, like, pay attention to these issues 
early and often and, you know, we know that abortion is supported by the majority of people in this country and just like or abortion access, I should say, and just keep talking to people about it. Keep reaching out, keep, um, you know, supporting, you know, support, obviously I'm going to say support Planned Parenthood, support abortion funds. Um, if you can financially, that's, oh, that's going to be so important in the coming months and coming years. I mean, it feels like the, the Roe versus Wade, it's, it's something that impacts everybody. Whether you are a woman, uh, whatever your gender is, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that is a community impact of, of what happens in that realm. And I, I, if we're not talking about it and we're not trying to find a way to support each other in our choices around it, it, it feels like it's it could be something that could really tear a community apart um, if, mm-hmm. if, you know, the open dialogue's not there. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to uh, mirror that back and say that seems really key and important. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's one in four women or one in four people with a uterus will have an abortion at some point in their life. And I think it's, um, even if you think you don't know someone who's had an abortion, you do, they're just not comfortable sharing it with you. So just keeping that in mind that it's, it's always been, it's been happening since the beginning of humans. Like, you know, people want to be able to choose if it's the right time for them to have a child and, um, yeah, limiting access and, and shutting down, uh, you know, half the states or whatever the current projection is, is isn't going to make things easier, or safer, or less divisive. Yeah, yes, yes. Thank you, Joanna, so much Thank you. for all, your, all you do and for taking the time to speak with us today. And good luck to, um, to you guys as you everything moves forward. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a KPOV Critical Conversation To hear more engaging interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash critical dash conversations.